You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to The Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about why you should consider a fractional CFO for your business. I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Brent McClure. Let me tell you all about him. He's not your typical CPA. He's a visionary and change agent for the accounting profession. He leverages his extensive business experience to help companies improve profitability, increase their capacity, develop sustainability, and ensure necessary compliance, all while achieving a greater return on investment. In his experience, he has learned that hiring a full-time CFO isn't something many small or medium-sized businesses can afford, yet many times desperately need. As an outsourced CFO, he now helps businesses surpass their financial goals with robust financial and back office support. Welcome, Brad. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else would you like to add to that introduction? Well, thanks for having me. And that was a pretty stellar introduction. I'm not sure if I deserved um, such a nice introduction. So thank you for that. We're excited to have you on the show, and you've got so much to offer today. This will be a great episode. Just to get everyone on the same page, can you explain what a fractional CFO and even a virtual CFO are? Is that the same thing or different? Um, pretty much the same thing. So sometimes I find that people aren't even sure what a CFO is. So it's your chief financial officer. And so they work alongside your CEO or president. And if you think about a virtual CFO, that's going to be a CFO that's not technically in your office. They're going to be virtual. And a fractional CFO is one in which you don't have the CFO full time. You're only paying for a fraction or a piece of their time, sort of like a consultant or a contractor. And the CFO will serve several clients and that's how they make their money. And the reason is most small and mid-sized businesses, they don't want to add on a full-time load of a CFO because you're talking about a six-figure salary and benefits and sometimes maybe they can't keep a CFO busy 40 hours a week or whatever the workload may be. And so they can look at this fractional or virtual model and only have a CFO for, say, one hour a week or two hours a week, or maybe it's 10 hours a week. It depends on the the business and the workload. And so they have access to the talent and experience of a legitimate CFO for a fraction of the cost. That is a great idea. I know many of our listeners that are business owners, they start with possibly hiring a bookkeeper, and then they expand by adding an accountant, hopefully who's a CPA. How does someone know when they're ready to add a fractional or a virtual CFO to their team? If they start looking at growth, strategy, leadership, how to grow the business, and they're not getting answers from their accountant or CPA, 
then I think it's definitely time to look towards a CFO. And what kind of activities and value could a CFO bring? Like what are some of their services? Sure, absolutely. So if you think about working from the bottom up, so your bookkeeper is going to keep your books, right? And that's what happened last year or last month or last quarter, however you look at your financial statements. A CFO can help you with risk. Think about the fallout of a global financial crisis. Risk management is certainly a, a key issue now. They can help you with data management. A CFO can help you with accounting systems. And my biggest priority is probably cash flow management. A lot of business owners manage their business, what I call, from their checkbook. They don't really have the financial statements in place and real time. And so they're managing the business on a sort of a cash basis. And understanding a cash flow statement and where the cash is coming in and going, the larger you get, the harder that is to do from a checkbook only, right? And the CFO can step in and help you with reporting, with safeguards, with uh, swim lane, if you will, to help the business owner understand where their cash is coming from and where it's going. So basically, you're more proactive, whereas a bookkeeper or even an accounting person is reactive. Would that be accurate? That is totally accurate. Absolutely. And so, so we're under. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say the CFO can take last year's numbers and understand how to project those into this upcoming year, right? Or what goes in the strategy or where the next location needs to be using historical numbers. That makes sense. When you answered my last question, you sounded pretty passionate about cash flow, which is it's so important a business. Can you share some ways that business owners can actually increase their cash flow? Yes, absolutely. So one way that you can increase your cash flow is if you have, depends on your business, of course, but hopefully these will apply to most businesses. If you have accounts receivable or customers owe you money, you could speed up the payment um, from those customers. If you think about some invoices you see may say 2% net 10. So if you pay it in 10 days, you get a 2% discount. Many businesses may want to consider that if borrowing money to finance the business is more expensive than a 2% discount. That's one way they could increase cash flow. Having payments up front, if you're in like a service contractor, like designers, developers, marketers, CPAs, landscapers, lawyers, things like that, if you can get a deposit or a down payment, that helps your cash flow. The whole idea is, is to try and maximize your your expenses and revenue matching principle so, so you're that... Saying, you're saying collect the money before you pay your bills where possible. Where possible, yes. So any way to do that. Obviously, there are other ways to actually increase cash flow, and that would be you can look at your margins. How much is your business making? Where is there any gross margin erosion or cost slipping through that you're not sure about. Actually, this brings to mind a client of mine. It was a plumbing company and they were making money on smaller jobs, but not making so much money on larger jobs. And it seemed like every large job would wipe out the profit from two or three smaller jobs. And it was just because they couldn't manage the cash flow and they didn't understand all the costs that were going into the larger jobs. And they ended up with tons of gross margin erosion and therefore, consequently, they lost money on large jobs. So I was able to go in and help them straighten that out with a few systems and make things a little bit more efficiently. And so they could track costs more real time 
so the cost didn't get out of control. That's a great example, and I'm all about systems, so I'm glad that you brought that up. And one of the systems mm-hmm. that I see people need help with is just payment management, meaning a lot of people love to do the work, but they hate actually sending the bill out. It feels kind of icky and yucky, so they don't yes. do it. And then they've got all these receivables sitting there. That's why I always recommend, like you to say, get the money up front. It's just a lot easier. But do you have other tips on how people can do some payment management and not feel so weird about billing? Well, there is a mindset around that, just like you explained, where people do feel weird about billing. You have to try and get over that, first of all. But another way to do that would be milestone payments would be one way. Even if you have some up front, maybe you get 20% in When you're 20% finished with the job, maybe there's 20% later. So you're not billing one lump sum and you're like, and you're thinking, gosh, did I really spend $50,000? I'm about to bill this customer. And you do feel sort of icky. You could have more favorable payment terms from vendors and setting those expectations up front is definitely helps you with that icky feeling. I like the milestone idea too, because especially in the Mm -hmm. trades industry where people are a little hesitant to leave a deposit, let's just say there's a hailstorm and people knock on your door. I know people are really hesitant to give a check right off the bat, but after 25% of the work is done, I think people would feel comfortable paying for 25%. Is that what you mean by milestone? That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, that feels... That is exactly the case. And it's a good way for people to ease into actually asking for the money if they're feeling uncomfortable with a big amount. Exactly. And, and it, it secures both sides of that transaction too, right? Because if you're the contractor in your hailstorm example, you don't want to perform all this work in maybe like replacing a roof, for example. And then you realize that your customer didn't have enough money to pay you and you've already worked, you've already done all the work. And on the other, and so you would like milestone payments along the way. So you're getting your money. And on the other side, it helps the customer or client because they're paying for work that has been done. And probably building trust as well. I like that. Building trust along the way. Exactly. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I know, let's switch topics to talk a little bit about front office versus back office, just to make sure people understand those terms. To me, front office are your client-facing activities, sales, customer service, things like that. You talk mm-hmm. a lot about back office. What does that mean, and why must owners actually pay attention to that? So I consider back office to, to be things like accounting, IT, HR, human resources, et cetera insurance. That to me is back office. And I know a lot of small to mid-sized business owners sort of ignore it, ignore the back office, or let's just call it accounting, ignore accounting. I think some of that is because maybe they don't understand it and it's easier to just not pay attention or not look at it. And then their CPA at year end says, okay, here's what your tax bill is going to be based on last year. And they pay their tax bill and they continue ignoring it. I have a huge problem with that because in order for the business owner to really grow and reach the next level, they have to pay attention to their financial statements. They have to pay attention to cash flow. They need to pay attention to the back office in order to scale their business if that's their goal, right? Actually, just to run the business probably because if you yeah, don't know yeah. where... I like your idea of the checkbook stuff. People look at their checkbook and say, oh, I've got money. Okay, I must be doing okay. <laughs> I must be knowing. doing okay, exactly. <laughs> There's money in there and then a bill comes and all of a sudden they've got that, oh, crap feeling. I know what you mean about not paying attention to the numbers. I have a part-time tax business as well as my business coaching and consulting. And 
Great. I have to track people down toward the end of March and say, hey, where's your stuff? And you know they're just like, oh, I just don't want to do this because it's numbers. Any tips right. on how to get over the fear of actually looking at the numbers? Um, I think you can sit down with a CPA or an outsourced CFO, fractional CFO, whatever you want to call it, and let them walk you through financial statements, a, a quality set of financial statements. Let the CPA or CFO walk you through that, and you'll understand it's not something that you need to avoid. It's not, it's not going to bite. It's not going to hurt you, and you need to better understand how to read financial statements. And if you can't get financial statements to begin with, then that's a different that's a different answer. <laughs> but we need to focus on that process first of getting financial statements. But then just sit down, become one with your financials. They're not going to bite, like I said, and you'll have a greater appreciation for them. And, and when it comes tax time, hopefully you're not avoiding your tax preparer at all costs, right? That's good advice. So for people who are like, oh my God, financial statement sounds scary. Could you say it's as simple as just having a budget, like your household budget? How much money is coming in? What are your expenses and what you what do you have left over? Absolutely. It can be that easy. Um, um, where is the money coming from? How much is coming in? Where are the expenses? What is a fixed cost or what do you have to pay versus a variable cost? Like fixed costs don't really change over time and variable costs can go up and down and figure out what makes those numbers move. And hopefully there's somewhere that you've identified you weren't quite sure about or didn't know about and you can cut some of those costs out of the picture. So I suspect one of your services that you provide, Brent, is actually looking at that and finding where there might be some waste. And a lot of times people sign up for a subscription program that they don't really use. Are you able to identify that as an outsourced CFO? Absolutely. That's one of my first things I look at is where can I identify waste or, you know, possibly things that they forget about. And one great example you just gave was signing up for a subscription and not using it. Absolutely. Yeah, for an example, or paying for, for, I'm sorry, I was going to say, or paying for insurance that they don't need is another good place to look. Oh, that is a good one. Because I know that I signed yeah. up for a graphic tool called Canva, C-A-N-V-A, which was a right. It was only, I don't know, $10, $15 a month, but I realized I sure. wasn't even using it maybe twice a year. So I'm like, okay, right. it's minor, but all those things add up to, to profits, right? They do. You're exactly right. They do. I am going to just switch the topic one more time before the signature okay. question because we just wrapped up tax season here in the U.S. I suspect mm -hmm. as an outsourced CFO, you've got some business tax tips for people that they should put in place now instead of waiting until December. Do you want to share some tips? Absolutely. I can do that. Um, one thing that the business owners should look at is equipment purchases and don't shy away from buying needed equipment or repairing equipment. If you think about your, you need to budget out your equipment purchases for the year, then go ahead and do that. Don't be afraid of purchasing new equipment because you're going to save tax dollars on writing off or expensing some of that equipment on your tax return. So, you're really saving, if you're in a higher tax bracket, you could be saving as much as 40% of that equipment cost in taxes. And so that's an area not to be afraid of. Another area to look at is um, just tax deductibility of your expenses. What can be deducted and what shouldn't be deducted and understand what you're spending in both of those categories. So since you work with a lot of small businesses, are there one or two items that people don't know they should be deducting, which they should be? 
I'm sure you see commonalities over and over and you're like, how come people don't know this one? What is that thing they keep forgetting? Yes, I do see commonalities across businesses. The one thing that everybody loves deducting is mileage. They're like, oh, I got to deduct my mileage, but I can't keep up with it. (laughs) Or I don't, or I can't remember how many miles I had on before we started the year and after we started the year. So it's not that they forget about it. They just don't have a good way of measuring it. And so some some in some business owners are hesitant to throw it in the mix because they can't support it or they're or they're not quite sure. And lots of times we go back to and I've even had this personally, go back to where I get my oil changed and they can pull a receipt from the beginning of the year and it has my mileage on it. And boom, there you go. That's your beginning mileage and you know your ending mileage. And so that can help dramatically in supporting your mileage deduction for your business. That's a really good idea. What I end up doing, I keep a pad of paper in my car, and I know this is old school, Mm -hmm. but I'm not a millennial. (laughs) Right when I pull into the garage, I write down the where I was and the mileage, and then I reset the odometer. Not the odometer. Maybe it's the odometer. Whichever the one that tracks the miles, and then I'm set for next time. And if I forget, I just look at my calendar, so I Google map the distance for where I drove. Mm-hmm. But I know oh, there's yeah. apps. That makes sense. I know there's apps that are much more sophisticated than than that. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. Another thing decide- just yeah, I was going to throw another thing at you is bad debts. Sometimes people don't understand that you can write those off or people that owe you money that you know aren't going to pay you. Don't just hang on to that forever. Write it off and take advantage of a tax deduction there before year end. So my rule of thumb, if they haven't paid you in 12 months, you're, you're probably not going to be paid, especially if they have, they've declared bankruptcy or they're going through financial trouble. And guess what? If they do pay you, fantastic. And then you can pay tax on that money. But go ahead and take that right off while you can. And the same goes for like obsolete inventory and equipment. You can write those numbers off as well. Those are some areas that small business owners maybe aren't looking for tax deductions. Oh, those are some good ones. And of course, just get the money up front. That way you don't have to deal with the bad debt, right? Exactly. Exactly. Are you ready for our signature question everyone gets on this podcast? Oh, I'm so excited. All right. I love giving people back hours of time every day to do what they want. So Brent, if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, what would you do with your extra hour? Oh, this is, I love this question. So in thinking about this, I want to say I would read more, but that's probably not, that's not accurate. I wouldn't read more. I already <laughs> read enough business journals and, and business news honest, and huh? books. So <laughs> I would exercise more, actually. I exercise some now, but I would exercise more because I know that that creates great benefits you know, mentally, physically, and then I could be more focused on my work when it's time to work. That's a good answer. And I'm guessing by your voice, you might be from the South. Is that right? A little bit South. Yes. (laughs) So you probably from all the way in Alabama. So Alabama. Alabama. So we have year round sunshine. So no reason not to get outside, right? Exactly. No re- well, other than it gets super hot in the summer, but no reason not, not to get outside for sure. Awesome. So I'm sure there's people on this podcast listening now saying, hey, we probably need to connect with Brent and have a conversation. Where can they connect with you to learn more? Okay, awesome. So the first place I would go is brentmcclure.com. That's my um, personal website that goes into my business and kind of the different things I offer. If you want to follow me 
on the social media channels, generally at LBMCPA. And so they're on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. You can grab my business pages for using that that LBMCPA. Very cool. And is there anything else you'd like to cover on this podcast that I didn't even ask you about? You did an excellent job covering the outsourced CFO or fractional CFO and sort of some of the benefits of having one. I would just urge your business owners to look at your financials. They're not going to bite you. Understand them. And if you need help, reach out to a CPA or or fractional CFO. That's a great, great advice. So basically people that just need as little as a few hours a month could still benefit from a CFO, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Brent, thanks so much for being on the show today. Lots of cool stuff. I've learned a few tricks as well. And listeners, I just rolled out a program for business owners looking to systemize their companies in 30 days or less. Get your business to do the heavy lifting instead of you. If you're feeling overwhelmed and overworked, this program could be for you. Just give me a call or email me nancy at nancygains.com and we can have a conversation. And if you love the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.